Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Adoration. We magnify your name, Lord. We appreciate you. Thank you once again for this hour. Thank you once again for this moment. We just give you all the praise, the glory that is you, you. And we ask for more of your presence, even as we continue, God, to look into your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Come on, put your machine on, please, before we go on. It's like you're not connected. The technicals, you're not connected. Up here. Is your screen on? Okay, so now. Put on that one. Okay, that's all right. Okay, praise God. Are we okay now? Let's go. Father God, we thank you. We ask God once again for understanding revelation of your word. The truth that is contained in that of God which you shine with us at its hour. We pray God for that to enlighten us and to grow more and more into that which you so ordained, which is the stature and the measure of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we continue with our study and I'm sure you're following what we are discussing. We're talking about the Satan priesthood and uh, already we told Second Peter, made this clear to us that we're a real priesthood and a holy nation. And so we are saying we are united together with Christ and we'll be sitting already together with him in heavenly places. And we're also declaring from the word of God that by reason of the position that we are sitting together with Christ and what he is doing in that place position that he's sitting, we are meant to rule and reign, to have dominion over every power spirit that is supposed to be on the feet. By reason of this certain position that we are with Christ, we come into that place where God's word, which is the original intent and purpose from the very beginning, will begin to be manifested in our life, which has to do with let us make man our image and our likeness and let it have dominion over everything. So we're talking about coming to that place of total dominion and authority of the Christ Spirit to rule and reign even in life. Hallelujah. Again, we look at Hebrews 10, verse 11, and uh, 12 through 13, and we see again, they define for us precisely the difference between the old and the new, which is the priesthood of Aaron and the priesthood of Melchizedek, which we are now belonging to. Hebrews 10, 11. Every priest standing by, I mean, standing daily ministering and offerings of oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. We've been emphasizing this. 
Uh, but verse 12 is what consigns us. Uh, remember, verse 11 talks about standing often. That's regularly standing when he's ministering. But verse 12 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And then from that position of sitting, expecting till all his enemies be made his footstool. Amen? Praise God. Lift it on this and turn it back a little bit. So we are saying Christ is sitting. And the major reason why is sitting from the scripture is because there is no more offering from sins. It doesn't have what to do again. It is finished all that needs to be done. And his sacrifice covered through the ages. So there is no more expectation of any form of sacrifice to be offered for any sin whatsoever that will be committed. Let us make something plain here. Your sins are forgiven is different from your suffering or bearing consequences for any sin you commit. These are two different things. For instance, if somebody is caught as being a thief, the sin of stealing is forgiven, but the consequence of the shame of being a thief is there. I don't know if you understand that. Let's understand what the Bible is saying. And primarily we must understand again that part of this, the basic thing of the sin that is forgiven has to do with the original sins in addition to whatever. But like I said, you can't excuse yourself from the consequences of any sin you commit even though your sins are forgiven. You can't excuse yourself from it. If somebody kills today, for instance, yes, the sin of murder is forgiven him but it's going to bear the consequences of going to prison. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. The consequences are there. You can't excuse that. The shame, the embarrassment are there. Anything you do that is contrary to the mind or the will of the Father, once it's discovered, you're going to bear the consequences, even though God has forgiven you. Is it making sense? Yeah, so that people sometimes say what they say when you say your sins are forgiven, they say you're giving license to people to sin. No, that's not true. You can't excuse the consequences of any sin that you commit. Even if you use foul languages against people, you see bear the consequences. It's just normal. It's just natural. Amen. Praise God. So that's exactly what I'm saying here, but when it comes to the sins of maybe Adam commits, Adam put you into all of those things, down through the ages, God has made one and for all sacrifice to forgive everybody whatever sins that you commit. But like I said, whatever sin you commit, you also bear the consequences. It's very natural. But now, in the position of Christ sitting on the right hand of God, like we said before, a major thing has been done and that has to do with bearing the, I mean, the power, the authority, the dominion to bring all enemies under feet. I'm excited this evening about what I'm about to share with you. For you to understand how the kingdom of God works. Because he who sits at the hand of God is the king in the kingdom. Is that okay? 
Right. So go with me to Psalm 1110 again. We read that last week. I mean on Sunday. Very powerful scripture. 11 verse 1. I mean 110 verse number 1. Uh, true number 3. And I would like us to take it from the New Living Translation. I think that's more important for me. New Living Translation tells us something there very precise. Praise God. Okay. Um, can you put it up on the board? You can find it. Hallelujah. Okay. It says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a fool's tool for your feet. You know what the fool's tool means? When the king sits on the throne, there is another stool in his front that he sits on. The feet rest on that. And I want you to picture what it means if your enemies becomes a fool's tool. You see, you can go far as to look at the case of Joshua during the war with other kings in Israel. And when they were captured, they brought them and they said, lie them down. You remember that? Yeah. And then he put his feet on their necks. We are talking about enemies submitting to your authority. All powers, all dominion submitting to your authority. Because the throne speaks of authority, speaks of power. Are you following me? So now, it goes down to say verse 2. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. And you will rule over your enemies. Now this is like a gift to Christ. And whatever belongs to Christ belongs to his body because he's the head of his church. Jerusalem, like we said before, Hebrew 12 verse 12, speaks about the church, which is called the heavenly Jerusalem. And it says your powerful kingdom is going to be extending from there. So it takes the church to express the kingdom. This is what is called the ecclesia. I will be in my church. I will be in my ecclesia. And the, the power of darkness cannot stand against it. So from the church, the power of God is meant to go forth into the whole world. That is part of the dominion mandate that God has given to Christ and it's to be expressed through his church. And you have to understand that this is not just a matter of what happens within the church circle. The extension of this powerful kingdom of God is cutting across all realms of life. Economic, political, social. Amen? Praise God. Uh, if you can be smart enough, maybe look at First Kings chapter 7 verse 21. I've mentioned this sometime. Then we'll come back here. First Kings 7 21. When Solomon was building the temple, you'll be able to see what he said. Now, yeah, he said, Horam sell the pillars at the entrance of the temple. 
I want towards the south, I want towards the north. He named the one on the south, Jashan, and the one on the north, he named what? Boaz. Now remember, Solomon was building his temple. And then he said, make two temples. I mean two pillars. One to the north, one to the south. The one to the north he called Jashan. The other one he called Boaz. Why do you need this two temple in the church? Jashan was a priest. Boaz was a businessman. This is why you find in Revelation chapter 5 verse 10 that God has redeemed us unto himself and has made us kings and prince. With the kings we rule, the priests we minister. Jashan and Boaz. And so God calling you to the business place doesn't mean you don't have a call. It only means you're functioning in the other temple which is to the north called the Boaz. So God needs two temples for the church to truly stand. I mean two pillars. And what is that? The priesthood and the business people. So don't see yourself you're a businessman that you don't have a calling. That is not accurate. Because essentially you find that the kingdom, which is the ecclesia, is meant to go round all structure of the society. From the political setting, oh help me Lord, to the business setting, to the social setting, the kingdom of God is meant to absorb them all, overcome them all, swallow them all, and fully be expressed in those realms. Are you getting that? Are you with me? Good. So even if you are a teacher, for instance, in the primary school, secondary school, whatever level, that is part of the Boaz ministry. There's a calling that within the sphere of operation of your business, you are expressed on the kingdom of God. Remember what we're saying. The kingdom, this powerful kingdom is going to extend from where? From Jerusalem, which has to do with the church. Are you with me? Yeah, I need you to understand that because very important. That is why you call the ecclesia. The revelation of God's grace, of God's glory, of God's kingdom ethics and principles into all areas of life. For all of those things to be swallowed up, that the culture of the kingdom may come into those areas. That's what you call the kingdom of God or the ecclesia. The expansion of God's culture, principle and ethics into all spheres of human endeavor. And that is the Boaz ministry. Be together. So go back now to Psalm 110 again. Now let's move on. So I'm just trying to explain verse 2. Psalm 110 verse number 2. And I said, the Lord will extend your powerful kingdom. And I like that. Not just the kingdom, but the powerful kingdom. From Jerusalem, you will rule over all your enemies. In other words, there is not going to be any philosophy, any power, any teaching, any form of understanding that is contrary to God's mind, to his will, for his creation. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Are you still there with me? Praise God. Alright. Then verse 3 says, When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. What it means is, in the King James it says, in the days of thy power, your people shall be willing. In the days of your power, that's the way the King James puts it. 
your people shall be what? Willing. So the question is, what date is that? <laughs> Remember, in the days of the Panai, is that like connected to when you start ruling or reigning? To what date is that? Now, our understanding, theologically speaking, we have to do it. When it comes to reign, it's the millennial reign. Like I said, I promise you, I'm going to touch that on the millennium as we progress in this study. So what day is this? That is saying, in the days of your power, your own people shall be willing. And the power has to do with subduing the days of your power when you go to war. Your own people shall be willing. Willing to follow you to go to war. Willing to accompany you in the warfare, to subdue all of those things that need subdue into your kingdom. Bring along enemies on the feet. I'm trying to say to you that God is giving you some power to rule and reign in whatever spheres of life that you find yourself. It is God's mandate. It's God's ultimate mandate for his church. And you don't have any excuse not to rule and reign. Praise God somebody. The rulership comes from your spirit. You have to understand that. For he who have no control over his spirit is like a wall, I mean a city without walls, whose walls are falling down. You find out from the book of Proverbs. It's so powerful. He said, he that have no control over his spirit is like a city without walls, whose walls are falling down. What does wall, what does a city need wall for? To protect against evasion of enemies. Early cities, you remember the Benin kingdom, the moat that went around the kingdom, right? Okay, remember the wall of Jericho. It has to fall down, remember that. Yeah, the wall is meant to protect against the invasion of enemies. And so the Bible is saying, he that have no control over his spirits like a city without walls, whose walls are falling down. So if the wall falls down, means enemies have access to your life because you have no control over your spirit. So rulership starts from your spirit. The three dominion mandate come from your spirit. Hallelujah. So if you can control your spirit in any situation, understand one thing, your walls are falling down. And that is as they are giving room to enemies to do what? To invade your life. So destruction comes when you lose your protection. When you lose control of your mind and your spirit. When your thoughts are not coordinated, enemies can infiltrate and begin to give you suggestions that may end up for the destruction of that temple, that city which you are. How many of you understand? You are a city set on a hill. Glory to God. Are you with me? <laughs> so the first place to start your rulership, to have your dominion is where? Your spirit. You can't play up for everything that happens. You can't lose your mind because of whatever thing people are trying to do to you. You can't. That's where you have dominion. You must first control your spirit before you can think of controlling anybody else. If you can't control your spirit, people will control you. Are you there with me? Yeah. All thoughts, all mindset, all attitude will begin to ruin your own peace. People are already controlling you. <laughs> are you with me? So the first place to have dominion is where? Your spirit. Now remember I said, and don't forget, Luke 7, you know, 20, Luke 17 rather, 
2021 tells you the kingdom of God is where is within you. So when he said, I'm going to extend my powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. What's he saying? Through you and I, from within, that's the first place, going to express his kingdom through. Hallelujah. Oh, so much to say on this. I have things I really want to share with you tonight. Let's say, so, in the days of the power, your people shall be willing to go to war, to have rule, to have dominion, to put on the feet, to bring to subjection everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Second Corinthians 4. Everything will be brought down in the days of thy power. So what day is this? Let's try to look for the day. Because we think it has to do with the days to come. It has to do with the time of the millennial reign. According to the book of Revelation. But I beg to defy my understanding of the scriptures are touching what day that the Lord is talking about in Psalm 110. Go with me to Matthew chapter 19 verse 27. Mighty 19 verse 27. Let's take a little reading from there. Hallelujah. I love you Lord Jesus. Then Peter said to him. We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. What is going to be our reward? Amen. Verse 28. Jesus said, and Jesus replied, and I'll show you that when the wall is made new, <laughs> and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you have been my followers. We also see it on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. When the wall is made new. So when is that? Hallelujah. <laughs> when the wall is made new. When is that? Okay. Take it from the King James, so that you can understand this thing properly. But not the, the simple definition of what we're going to read is when the wall is made new. So when is that? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto thee, that they which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, and he also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribe of Israel. So the time of regeneration is when the wall is made new. Does it make sense? Yeah. I want you to see that precisely. When the wall is made new is a time of regeneration. So when is a time of regeneration? Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Look at verse 1. We'll read from verse 1. Oh, that's a little bit of a long reading. But let's first take it from the King James and then we might come back to New Living Translation and see if it has connection there. King James, Titus chapter 3 verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and to be ready to every good work. Verse 2. To speak evil of no man. Not that. Speak evil of no man. These are kingdom principles. <laughs> to be no brawlers quarreling, 
but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For well, the next thing, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know if I get in that. I was trying to share with somebody today. I said, you should be the wisest person in the situation that you find yourself. We were sometimes foolish by implication, but now we can't be counted as foolish people anymore. Why? Because we have the Holy Ghost. We have Christ as our wisdom. Are you with me? You were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse laws. And pleasures living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. This cannot be your portion as a kingdom person. Move on. But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward men appeared. Man. Verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of what? Regeneration. And renewing of what? The Holy Ghost. Remember, in the time of the regeneration, when I'm going to sit on my throne, you also will sit on what? Twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribe of Israel. In the time of regeneration, by the renewing of what? Of the Holy Ghost. Now, my 2019 tells us from the New Living Translation, the time of regeneration equals the time of what? The new earth or the new world. Okay, go with me now. Look at it again. Let's see from Living Translation. Just verse number 5. Verse 5. For he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. And he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through what? The Holy Spirit. So the giving of the new birth and the new life equals the new world. Is it making sense? And that is by what? The Holy Spirit. Remember, we're dealing with in the days of thy power, the people shall be what? Shall be willing. When you're going to expand or express your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. So now, if I may ask you, what day is the day of that power? The day of the Holy Spirit. And when was that? That was on the day of what? Of Pentecost. Is that making sense? So when the Lord said in Psalm 1, zero and verse number 3, verse number 4, he is simply talking about the day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Say so that is when you're going to sit on the throne of your kingdom and all other people. Now you can understand what he said that in Matthew chapter 19, 27, when you're sitting on the kingdom, the 12 tribes will be under the influence of Israel. You know Peter, James, and John are no longer alive. So, are you saying they never have rule? Are you saying it is proponent in millennial reign? Are you saying it is hard to do with when they're going to arrive from the grave? No. For as soon as the day of Pentecost was come, I mean, if you remember, power started flowing through the apostles. Is it making sense to you? Right. So for the number of years that the apostles were alive and doing the work of the Spirit, <clears throat> preaching the gospel, they were exercising the dominion of what? Of the kingdom. 
That was the fulfillment of the prophecy. The beginning of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Psalm 110. Hallelujah. Can you follow what I'm saying here? In the days of the power, your people are willing to do the work of expanding the kingdom. So here we see Peter in our chapter 2 come out with a revelation and started speaking to people. Now they receive power. Remember what he told them. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem unto be endowed with, with power. They got the power now. It has to do with the power of the kingdom. And what's the next thing that happened? They begin to express the power of the kingdom. And they become judges in speaking to Israel the mind of God. Judges, remember, Samuel was a judge. Deborah was a judge. What does it mean to be a judge? It's to expand the mind of God, the will of God, the laws of God to people. So, what happened? Peter on the day of Pentecost was now revealing the mind of God to Israel. And when all of the 12 disciples move around preaching the gospel of the kingdom, they were expounding and exercising their dominion of the throne of the kingdom that they were sitting on. Is it making sense to you? So not when they arrive from the grave in one year, some years to come. He's not talking about that. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Let's start reading from verse 22. You can read from the message translate, I mean the King James. Message chapter 2, I mean Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Peter speaking now. Remember, before he started his message, he said, this is that which is spoken of by prophet Joel. On the last days, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. How many of you remember that? So the last day directly connected to the end of the Jewish order. So right from the day of Pentecost, say, now we have already been on the last day. Last day is not something that is coming tomorrow. The last day has always been. 2,000 years ago, when the Holy Spirit came in, there's the last day. You know what I'm trying to say? The last day of that which God is doing, not the last in terms of the end of the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we have the days of God. We have the days of Israel, if you will. I'm talking about what God intended to do. I've explained this in a way to you before. When God wanted to move man back to himself, he came in as Yahweh unto man. Man said, no, he's a God of the Jews. That was the day. And then he came in as the son of man. You know, lived on the earth for 33 and a half years. And they said, no, that was the day of Jesus. Remember Jesus said that in the book of that Luke chapter 17. If you read down from verse, you know, 20 to 23, it tells you that. It said, you shall seek one of the days of the Son of Man and you shall not find it. How many of you remember that? Good. So, between when Jesus came and was ministering in his death and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was a day, was an age. And all of that from when Moses gave the law, Messiah, to that time that Jesus died, that the temple was destroyed, was a day. After the destruction of the temple, we enter another day when the Holy Spirit came. And right from that time to the fullness of time, we are in the last days. For it is within this process and period of time 
that God's kingdom shall be made full. That Christ himself shall deliver the kingdom unto the Father. So that God will be all in all. Are you with me? So when he say, in the last day, I shall part my spirit. This is the last days. Not the one to come. And that is why those who are thinking that COVID-19 is the last day. I think right now they are in trouble. Because COVID is gone. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Yeah. If you think about Putin, war, Russia and Ukraine. To be a sign of the last day of the third war. You deceiving yourself. Nothing like that is going to happen. Everything you see is still going to come and go. The wall abided forever. Our glory to God. Are you listening to me? You see, I, I was speaking to a friend and saying, look, you're just wasting your time. You're thinking about, oh man, what's going to do? I believe in sonship. Everybody must understand that. Those who are close to me, they know that. I preach sonship. I preach the kingdom of God. But listen, folks. When that is going to happen, we have no idea. But one thing sounds sure. The Bible said, David saved his generation and he laid down the flesh. He slept. What is important to you is to serve your generation. Don't wait for one day when sons of God shall arise. No, right now arise and do what you're supposed to do. For when David finished serving his generation, he slept in the Lord. You are called to serve your generation. If God decided to make us glorious into full sonship with immortality, good praise God. But while doubt is there being expected, God intended us to express the kingdom in power, glory, and dominion. I love one scripture in the book of John chapter 2. We are meant to understand when Jesus was invited to the feast, the mother was also invited. But what impressed me so strongly in that scripture, the Bible says, when he said, go tell him whatever I ask you to do, you do. And he turned water to wine. And the Bible recorded this. This is the beginning of the manifestation of his glory. Now everybody got a glory. So God intended us to express our glory. In whatever realm we find ourselves. You don't wait till you die. You don't wait till you put on immortality. No. Are you sitting there with me? Come on, are we together? Yeah. Okay. Our chapter 2 now. Verse 22. We are trying to still trace the last days. Ye men of Israel, hear this word. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God. Among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. In other words, help me now. It was not by anything that Judas did that made Jesus to die. Did you get that? He was, now listen to what he said. He had been delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God knew he has to die. And I asked you this question some time ago. It may, like, may look funny. If Judas didn't betray Jesus, how would the foreknowledge of God be accomplished? 
Did you get anything there? It was not because the Jews were powerful. That's why they killed Jesus. No. It was a counsel of God and the foreknowledge of God that Jesus must die in the hands of the Jews at the time of the Romans for his kingdom to be established. So if you like, get mad when I say Judas was a tool in bringing forth the counsel and the foreknowledge of God. For in the days of these kingdoms, Babylon, Medopatia, Greece, and Rome shall the God of heaven do what? Set up his kingdom. And if Jesus didn't die, the kingdom can come into place. And if Jesus was not betrayed, Jesus wouldn't have been killed. And Judah hadn't done that, you wouldn't have done it either. You with your good mindset would never want to betray Jesus. And when that is not done, the kingdom is uh, cannot come into being. It was done by the counsel and foreknowledge of God. No deception, no devil. Praise God. <laughs> and I say, ye have taken by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. Whom God has raised up, having lost the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of feet. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Thank you, Lord. And somebody is watching, you having doubt in your heart, God is going to clear those doubts. Hallelujah. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad, moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer the Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, Peter speaking, verse 29. Let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that is both dead and buried, and is sacrificed with us until this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn unto him an oath, sworn an oath to him, that of the fruit of his lines, when did he make this oath? Time is not there. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 12. You can read that. There are the 1 Samuel chapter 7 verse 12. You can read that. As sworn to him of his loins, according to the flesh, he shall raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Remember, we are dealing now with mighty 20, I mean 19 verse 27, 28. Is that okay? Good. As sworn to him, but oh that Christ shall sit on the throne of his father, which has to do with David now. Verse 31. He seen this before speak of the resurrection of who? Of Christ. That his soul was not left in hell, that I fled this is corruption. This Jesus had God raised up, wherefore we all are witnesses. Wherefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David now ascended into heaven, but he said, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit down my right hand until I make the foes thy foes to. Therefore, 
let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God, this is important now, had made that same Jesus whom you crucify, both Lord and Christ. Listen closely. God swore unto David of thy own seed from the loins shall I make to sit on your throne. And Peter is saying the resurrection of Christ fulfilled that scripture. And what was that? On the day of Pentecost. And he said, understand this thing. That same Jesus that was hanging on the cross which we call Easter period, whatever it is, which we are now, God has made that Jesus, oh glory, meaning God has made that same Jesus, whom you crucify, both Lord and Christ. Okay, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 17. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 3 verse 17. What did he say? Now, remember, God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, yes, what? There's liberty. The Lord is that spirit. God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now the Lord is that spirit. What spirit? The spirit that came on the day of Pentecost. Is defining something here. The Lord is that spirit. God has made Jesus, the one you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And the Lord is that spirit that came on the day of Pentecost. So who came on the day of Pentecost? Jesus Christ. Is it making sense to you? Oh, glory. Now it is through the spirit that is now ruling from Jerusalem. Did you get that? Oh, glory. Are you following it? The Lord and God have made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. In the time of the regeneration, when I'm sitting on my throne, you shall also sit on twelve tribes, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes. And when was that? In the time of regeneration. What time of regeneration? The time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Is it making sense? And now, Acts chapter 2 Paul, I mean Peter speaking and said, Hey, Israel, you better understand this. Jesus, the son of David, is now sitting on the throne of his father by reason of the resurrection. When he rose from the grave, he sat on the throne of his father. And what happened? From there he extended unto every one of us the Holy Spirit. When he came to dwell within this inside of man, within your spirit, joining with your spirit, rulership began, you now sit on your throne. 
everybody is sitting on a throne. So you have the privilege to rule and reign. Not when you die. Not when he comes a second time. Not when he comes again. No, 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 no. But right now, God extend his throne to you that you will also extend the kingdom of God to the rest of creation. Let me try to finish up here tonight. Have you followed me so far? You are called to rule and reign. We are the sitting priesthood that rule and reign and bringing all enemies where? On the faith. Oh glory. For when he has finished everything, he did what? He sat down. From expecting all his enemy. Now when he's expecting, meaning it's going to be a gradual process of all enemies until the last enemy, which has to do with all deaths. Now, read something with me. First Corinthians 15 verse 22. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 15 22. For as in Adam... First Corinthians 15, the book of First Corinthians 15, verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Did you find that? First Corinthians 15. Praise the Lord. Is it there? For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. What does it mean of that? Let me share something with us here. God told Adam, the day you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. And we know that Adam ate. Are you there with me? Thank you, Jesus. We know that Adam ate of the tree. So what happened? If the word of God must be correct, it means he died. But in the natural, we need to understand Adam lived 930 years before he died physically, even after eating of the tree. So, what death was he talking about? <laughs> spiritual death, primarily. But that spiritual death leads to physical death. Adam will have lived forever. That is why God said don't eat of the tree of, of life because if you are eating of the tree of life you will live forever in the sinful condition of having eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Are you following what I'm saying? If he had allowed him to partake of the tree of life that means he will have immortalized death forever. So it was for your good and my good that God asked him to leave the garden. So as not to live forever in the fallen states. Are you there with me? Adam lived now 130 years before he died. Even Cain, who was a murderer, the one that started killing, the ministry of, of, of killing people started with Cain. Cain lived for 730 years in the Bible. In the midst of that, why was it so? Abraham lived for 175 years. Jacob lived for 147 years. Isaac lived for 180 years. 
David lived for 70 years. Solomon lived for 94 years. And he was 20 years old when he became king in Israel. Now look at the, the catalog of this, this I'm just giving to you. You find that man's lifespan was degenerating. Did you get that? From Adam, it was coming down and coming down and coming down. David just did only 70 years. Even Solomon went beyond David. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Good. Why? Because something was working in man which was resulting in death. And I'll show that to you. Psalm 51. Let's read verse number 1. Psalm 51 verse number 1. David speaking said, Hallelujah. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That I might be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Did you get this? What in the David is talking about here? Somebody asked me a question recently. said, who is the mother of David? I said, I really have not been able to think about it. He said, was the mother of David a harlot? I said, no, I don't think so. He said, but the Bible says, in iniquity, my mother conceived me. That means the mother was a harlot. Not at all. That's not what he was talking about. What he's saying here is this. <laughs> Look at the never I say, even when I was brought forth. What he's saying here is this. All humanity have the sin of Adam in their system. And my mother was not an exception to that. Because you know why he's even saying this? He was saying it because of what he did as far as the case of Uriah's wife was concerned. When Nathan confronted him. Are you there with me? So he's saying, the sin which came through Adam walked in my mother and was transmitted to my life. Are you following that? In sin and iniquity, my mother conceived me, simply meaning my father have, I mean my mother have the gene of that sinful Adam nature. And when my mother gave back to me, the next verse, let me look at the next verse. I'll show you something now. Behold, thou desired that, okay, in what part, whatever. When I was brought forth, you know, when he's talking about when he was brought forth, in other words, when the embryo was formed and the whole thing started developing, it's like his own nature was not absorbing the sinful nature that was in his mother into his own system. And so that energy that he picked from the mother is part of what's responsible for what he did to Uriah. Are you following what I'm talking about? And so I was saying, God have mercy on me. 
For this power hath always walked through humanity. Don't forget what said. First Corinthians 15, 22. In Adam all die. In other words, death is not a factor in man. It is a factor of sin in man. There is death before death. The wages of sin is death. The power of sin is the law. So the implication is that man was already mortal even before he died. As long as the remember what Jesus did the Bible tells us the lamb of the world John chapter 1 the lamb of the world I'll take it away the sin it is said the sins there is only one sin not the sins have you looked at it in the book of first and book of John I mean John the Baptist saying the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world so when David was praying here he was making reference to that help me oh Lord purge me of this effect that I picked from my mother when she conceived me because this is what is every human being born into the earth are you following me are you here with me praise the living God so it was not that David's mother was a prostitute. That is not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, my mother, as a human being, have the gene of sin in her system. And when she conceived me, my own system began to absorb those things. I was just swallowing them or taking them into my system. And I came out and find that I have no help of my own. Why? Because I have to respond to the system within my being. As a fallen man that picked this from my mother, which my mother picked from Adam. Are you following me? Right. So in sin that my mother conceived me, simply mean my mother was in a sinful nature. Why? Jesus have not died. All mankind were dead in sin before Jesus came. Praise the living God. So what am I saying? Next week I make it to understand. Help me now. Just like the sin enter into your system and begin to percolate into every fiber of your being. Even so, the kingdom of God is a little living that lives in a world, the whole lamp. That's the mystery. Just the way sin walked into all of your fibers, all of your system, all of your vein, even so the kingdom is now walking into all of your being without understanding what is going on. You never understood what was happening when the sin power was flowing into your system. You don't even understand also how this kingdom power is flowing into all of your system. But before you know it, the power of death is being cut short. Hallelujah. And so you discover that now we're going to live long. Can I hear an amen to that? Just like Adam lived so long and they begin to degenerate. Now Christ came from the lowest level and he's taking us up again. And the system of the power of the kingdom is giving us life from our spirit to our soul, from our soul to our body. So every day change is taking place. What unknown to you. Hallelujah. You, you, you can't measure it. But it's a little living that it what? Living in the whole lump. So as in Adam or die. 
even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So as all your system died, so shall all your system be made alive. Praise God, somebody. Isn't that good news to you? God bless you. I'll see you next week. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.